Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Recorded live. Hello, Hockey World. Today is... Thursday, February 2nd, 2017. I'm Michael Agello of HockeyBuzz.com, and I am pleased to be joined once again by the former Assistant General Manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mr. Bill Waters. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Mike. Uh, Bill, the, the Maple Leafs are uh, currently with 55 points. They're one point behind the Philadelphia Flyers for the final wild card spot in the Eastern Conference, three points behind the Boston Bruins, and they have about 3,000 games in hand on them. But if you yeah. look at the Eastern Conference standings, they're only six points out of out of last in the conference, so it's a fairly tight group right now. Um, Leafs come back from the All-Star break and lose six to three to the Dallas Stars, you know, mostly because they were asleep for the first 20 minutes and allowed five goals. Um, a lot of people are thinking this team is well positioned to be to give a, have a good chance at making the playoffs. There are some people who think that. Uh, you know, a swoon may be coming in the second half. What camp do you fall in right now? Well, I try to I try to look at it as objectively as I should, and I say, why would they swoon? Their defense is not going to get much better, other than on experience. Uh, their forwards are going to be the same as they were in the first fifty. Their goaltending has been solid since uh, he recovered from his injury. So, uh, other than a catastrophic injury, catastrophic being uh, the goalie going down for the rest of the season, that would be a very difficult one to handle. Although they're in much better shape with McElhenney there than they would have been with Enroth. So, uh, using all of those, I, I think they have every reason to feel that if they apply themselves, not like they did in Dallas for 20 minutes, but play the game the way they did in Madison Square Garden when they dominated the, the New York Rangers on hard, on hard work and on uh, positional play and ended up beating them 4-2 or whatever it was. But I just thought it was a dominant road game. Those types of games have to occur, and they can't occur every night. I write off the Tuesday night game to just – not being ready, and uh, when you've got a coach like Babcock and you're not ready, then you haven't gotten yourself mentally ready because Babcock would have had you prepared. And I found the defense did nothing in front of the net. They weren't boxing out. They weren't confronting the players that were in scoring position. They didn't maintain position between the shooter and the net. All of the fundamental errors that make a good defenseman, they committed, and before you knew it, it was 5 uh, five to one. So uh, I, I don't put too much in uh, that game. I think uh, tonight's game will be a bounce back game, and it'll have to be because St. Louis will be all yoked up for the game, and uh, they'll they'll be ready to go. I, I 
I'm I'm still confident, Mike, that uh, if the Maple Leafs can make good use of the six games they have in hand, they have a chance of of being second in the division, and uh, that's about uh, five spots higher than anybody thought they'd be. Well, I mean, the Bruins, they're only three points ahead of uh, the, the Leafs, and I think it's five, maybe six games in hand, as you said. And Tuka Rask popped his groin last night, and Patrice Bergeron took a, a rather heavy Matt Niskanen point shot off of his knee and came back. He's a tough cookie. Yeah. But, um, you know, if they have any serious injuries, any more injuries, you know, they're they're going to be in trouble. Um, but going back going back to the you know the i mean a lot of people think that you know the leafs that this the potential of a swoon has to do with the number of rookies and the you know so-called rookie wall that some of these players will fall into or just the fact that you know in the second half of seasons when the playoffs come around and the playoff race comes around you know some teams stand and some teams fall and they think that the inexperience of the leafs even though they have one of the best coaches in the league in Babcock, will be something that will make them not be able to repeat their first-half success? Well, I, I don't think that is an unreasonable uh, hypothesis, but it's all based on other teams' performances. You have to watch how these kids have played for the first 50 and then say, just like I said in, your, in my last response, I don't see any reason why they can't continue to play the same. And Frederick Gauthier will get better. They'll all get better. All of these kids will get better as as time goes on. I, if you fold up in a 30-game space, that means your coach didn't prepare you for what was coming. And obviously Babcock has uh, looked into th- the theories that uh, we just espoused. So I, I think they'll be well-prepared. Uh, they'll be fresher than the other teams. What they have to do is make sure they don't get caught in an experience battle. And if they do, they're going to have trouble. They've got to keep the pedal to the metal and play the way they played in the first 50 games. Are they going to be tired? Don't think so. There are not too many kids that didn't play in the OHL and play 70 games a year. So I... I just feel that they have a chance, and uh, I, there are no guarantees, as you know, but I think the Leafs uh, have a good chance of of uh, making the playoffs. And, of course, Anderson's the key. He has to play the very same way that he played in the first 50. And I, like, I don't say, well, wait and see. This guy can't do it. That's not the way I look at it. I think they can all do it. And so it's a matter of will. They don't have to. They get another defenseman. That will make it a lot easier, but not at the expense of giving up one of their, what they consider, cornerstone prospects. And uh, then you have to weigh off the making of the playoffs against the development of the uh, young players as they go through that process, win or lose. And so you say, if I decide to fold up the tent, and trade away one of my better prospects, you send a message to the whole team that, hey, organizationally, we've decided to just fall into the bottom 14 and see where we land. I I don't like that idea because I think the players they have now, based on the way they're coached and the way they perform and react, are capable of making the playoffs. And 
I think making the playoffs is going to be the best experience and best developmental experience that they could ever get. And they know that better than I. Well, as you said uh, on Tuesday, their defensive ineptitude um, really was exposed. Uh, you know, Jake Gardner has had, uh, I think he's exceeded expectations this year, they, but they've carefully managed his ice time. But without Riley in the lineup, he, I mean, he got blown by on the one goal and, and made a, a terrible play at the end of the second period that led to a breakaway. And, and Martin Marinson, uh, I, I, Martin Marinson must have gone to Spain on the All-Star break because it looked like he was playing the, the role of the bullfighter and just letting the, the bull go through to the net. Um, yeah. the, the, the Leafs, without Riley, are under 500, 2-3-1, the small window. He seems to be on the verge of coming back. But I think Riley's absence has called into question. You know, the, I mean, there are some people who think they don't need to add defense, you know, at least not right now. But, you know, people like me who have been saying, I think that this team needs to go out and get at least two defensemen, not by the deadline, but before next year, I think their case was was made clearer by uh, the absence of Morgan Riley. Well, and, and you know what? That theory, I, remember, I, I can remember well exchanging it with Rick Lee when Rick was coaching uh, uh, the lease with Pat. And Rick's theory was always, very simple. If you lose one of your top three defensemen, it's going to hurt you, his absence. But what's going to hurt you more is you're moving players into positions where they haven't been able to play well. And the five, six guy moves up to the three, four hole. The three, four guy moves up to the one, two hole. And that's what we're talking about in Marinson. Marinson's a game in, game out guy. You can't keep him playing too long. And Gardner is Gardner, and he was horrific on Tuesday night, horrific. And that's that's the guy that's paying uh, the Riley price more than anybody. He's been played too much and in too difficult positions. Zaitsev, he just kept on going, but they they know who they can rely upon, who they can't. And uh, I. I look at uh, a guy like, that you've got in Buffalo that they've got in Buffalo, Mike. I'd be I'd be getting my pocket, my wallet ready, and I don't know how much money you're going to have to pay him. But a guy like Kulikov, who's played since he was 18, and is just at the prime of his defensive career. I've all, I always liked him in uh, Florida. He and Goodbranson were the stop guys, killed penalties, played against the other team's best forwards, and he can move the puck. I I'd, I'd, I'd love to see a free agent if, in fact, he ends up being a free agent. But I'd love to see the Leafs spot him because well, that would just make it that much better for them. He has been a dramatic failure in Buffalo. So I think he's – I mean, there's, there, were talk, there was talk yesterday about him being uh, traded as a rental at the deadline. I mean, he's got one goal. He had a, an injury. He was out for, for basically half of the first half of the season – but I agree. I mean, he, especially in the playoffs last year, he played great for Florida, and he's somebody who, you know, going into free agency, a team might well, be able to sign him for three or four years at a pretty bargain basement price because his that's year, right. He's a, he's got value. I, I I'm not saying look at the way he played because he's had a he's had a bad year, but his years in Florida got progressively better, and then they decide they. Florida misses Kulikov as much as they miss Goodbranson. Bad management, 
creates problems. And when you trade away two defensemen like that, in anticipation of Kulikov asking for a lot of money and Good Branson, it was a, both for money deals, needless to say. But I, I just think that uh, Kulikov as a uh, unrestricted free agent is what, as you've described, the opportunity to get a half decent bargain. Now the deadline's coming up, uh, March the first. Um, there's some, it's a, sort of a wide variety of talk right now. If the Leafs stay in the race then they're probably going to stand pat. There's not a lot of um, speculation that they're going to go into the rental market, although you know, there's, some, there's some people who think, why not go after a guy like a Shattenkirk? Uh, and now, okay, I, I wanted to get your opinion on that, because to me, I think it's the wrong move to give up future assets for a guy who might re-sign in Toronto if they trade for him, but why would you give up those future assets when you can get them for free in the summer and just pay them the money that you can expect to get paid anyway? Yeah, I, I agree, Mike. And, and Shattenkirk's a New York boy, good player. He's going to want to sign a long-term contract in a U.S. city, and I can understand that. And I think that's almost a given. So what you're doing when you take them on a loan basis is give up an asset for somebody who really doesn't want to be in Canada, and no deference to Toronto or anybody in Canada. He doesn't know it, he's not familiar with it, and he probably have a chance to play for the Islanders in Brooklyn, and he's closer to home. So why bother? And I agree, Shattenkirk is not going to make that big a difference. Shattenkirk is one of the reasons why Hitchcock has lost his job. Not the only reason, but Shattenkirk... Uh, is just not the kind of guy that I would want have to pay uh, six or seven million to. It's it's like paying uh, the the guy from uh, uh, Yandel. I mean, Yandel is as much a six or seven million dollar defenseman as I am a ballet dancer. He's worth four or five at the most. So you overpay him, and he can't play. He just simply can't play, and so that's that's hurting Florida a lot. Now, uh, I, I think they're better off to find a guy that they think could play in both ends of the rink equally well, not superbly, otherwise he wouldn't be available. And if they're willing to give up a fourth or something for that, I think they need insurance against injury uh, to finish the season and have a chance to win in the playoffs. I don't think they're favorites to win in the playoffs, but if they end up third, they're going to play Ottawa or Boston. You tell me. They they can win that. And then they have to play the winner of the Montreal wild card. They can win that if it's Montreal. So they're, they're, they're without stretching the truth too much, there is a, a real possibility that they could go uh, to the conference final and uh, then all, all bets are off. But I, I don't see them going much further than that. But I think they have as good a chance as any of those teams in the Atlantic Division of going two rounds as, as, as any others. And I, I'm, uh, I hope I'm not, I don't appear to be smoking my new brand, but <laughs> I, I, I like the way the Leafs play, and uh, I like the way they compete. I didn't like uh, their game on uh, uh, Tuesday for a period, but I did like what they did in the, the start the second. 
they came out and dominated the game. Yeah, the, and uh, the, Dallas was able to adjust and, and, and hold on. But uh, the Leafs have still got a lot to give. I'm, I'm anxious to see the game tonight because, as I said, St. Louis should be ready to play almost. And it'll be an interesting rivalry. As you, as you called it back in the day, the I don't think the BC bud has gotten its way down to Florida yet. So, uh, no. But, uh, let, let me no. let me let me advance the the, the Shattenkirk thing because, um, you know, Bob McKenzie, Darren Drager, the the insiders who are reporting on this have said you know that Shattenkirk, I don't know if he's a he's given a list to the Blues, but you know he's in there. It's certain teams that he has indicated he would be amenable to being traded to, and one of them just happened to be Toronto. Now, yeah. back back in the day when I was simply just a fan listening to you on 640 or on Fan 590 and listening to all the experts and I'm you know it would it would get me excited to hear oh they're willing to come to Toronto. Now as somebody who's wised up over the years, I I'm starting to get the feeling that Toronto is thrown in either by the you know either by the agent or by I'm not saying the the reporter would make it up. But you know how, how is that common that like a city like Toronto, because it is the center of the media hockey universe, is thrown into potential deals because it will raise the buzz that's out there? Absolutely. Why not? I mean, we all have jobs to do. It's a difficult job to be an insider, and Mackenzie and Drager do it as well as anybody. Uh, and uh, you're not fooling them. They know better than anybody, but they're not going to say it uh, because uh, that's uh, disrespectful to the player. In other words, uh, he's not telling the truth. But I, I, you know, if you can say you're you want to go to the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're, they're going to talk about you for a week in Toronto, uh, five days in Canada, and three days in the USA. Now, with the with the deadline, um, you know, there like I said, there's a possibility of a, of a tweaking move, but there's also the possibility if you know they do have that step back or you know the schedule gets to them and they start to fall behind, of you know trading some of the rental guys like Roman Polak, who they traded last year for a couple second round picks, or Matt Hunwick if there's some team out there looking for defensive depth, but the big prize would be Van Riemsdyk. And his name has been out there, and we've talked about that before. I'm starting to get the impression, based on what's been said out there, that unless they just tank in the last, in the next month, that Van Riemsdyk is not going anywhere uh, before March 1. But I still get the feeling that this is his last season in Toronto, and they're going to move him before he becomes a UFA uh, in the summer of 2018. Do you still think that that is? the likely path for the Leafs and Van Riemsdyk? Well, I said last opening day when I was on my radio show with on TSN, I said I'd love to see Marner play with Van Riemsdyk. They're both unique players, highly gifted, and don't, don't ever think that Van Riemsdyk is not gifted. He's a gifted offensive player. He causes no problems. He follows the rules, and I think it boils down to how much you want to pay him. And if you're going to pay uh, certain players, uh, if somebody in that Toronto organization paid Dion Phaneuf $7 million. Well, they sent him to Ottawa, and they found out how much he's worth. He ain't worth $7 million. He's still a, a reasonable defenseman, but don't overpay. 
and that like Van Riemsdyk is not that physical, but I, I think he's a very important part of that team. He gets he gets great goals at big times, and his time is coming. They're going to need great goals in the playoffs if, in fact, they make them. And Van Riemsdyk's a guy that can put the puck in the net, whether it's tipped, whether it's snapped, whether it's slapped, he can do it. He's got a scent, and I would not trade him. He's like Mike Bossy, as far as I'm concerned, uh, but not maybe not as good. But he's Mike. He's he's Van Riemsdyk, who play, who would have, would have played with the eighty Islanders. He would have he would have filled the net, literally filled the net. No, I wouldn't trade him. I, I I would try and sign him, and I would try and sign him this summer. And if it's not to be, then I, I would. Uh, Anxiously, and it won't take all summer to find out. You find out pretty quickly. Well, that that and that's I mean that's a very good point. And and when we went, like uh, me and a number of other members of the media went for the season-ending press conference. That was the same day that Kadri and Riley announced the con. They announced the contract extensions for Morgan Riley and for for Basim Kadri. And if you look at those deals now, you know, Kadri is playing way above expectations and taking on this shutdown role and has played well this year. Even for people that uh, don't like Kadri, you have to you have to sort of begrudgingly say that yeah, he's he's playing well. And and if you look at some of the other salaries uh, of defensemen, Riley at five million dollars is a bargain. I, I think the only yeah. way they keep JVR is if, and this is the, where Lou Amarillo comes in, and he did this effectively with the Devils back in the day. He got players to take more reasonable contracts for the greater good of the team. If they, if, J, if well, JVR does that, then I think there's a possibility he stays. Yeah. Well, then there's a force, uh, the PA force, that is saying, hey, Let's not get caught in. Let's not make Toronto, New Jersey, North. There's money in Toronto. They can pay it. The cap is a problem. But don't take a hometown discount like uh, Keith took in Chicago on the advice of his general manager, and then his general manager doubled up on Taves and on uh, uh, Patrick Kane. Kane. Kane, yeah, Patrick Kane. So you, you can't, and I'm not saying you can't trust him, but you got to know, you got to look at the situation and say, okay, what's what's he going to do when he comes to Kane and Taves? He's going to load them up. And so you have to say that as the agent or as the player. I, I, I don't want this nine-year deal at $5 million. I can play for a long time, but I'll take my chances. I want, they were already making six. Kane and Taves on their first contract out of uh, entry level, and he took five, and he only he had to take five on the promise of playing with the Hawks for the rest of his career, and that all the others would be taking a home team home hometown discount, and it didn't work, and it won't work, and that's what you have. That's what uh, Lamorello will be fighting against is the support from the PA and they're, they're very, very much involved in every contract that's negotiated. Now th- there's been talk in recent days about, 
you know, obviously when this whole thing started about the rebuild, everybody was saying five years, and you know, a lot of people thought that that was bunk, that it would take less time than that. But now, all of a sudden, with the Leafs' success, people are saying, well, the window is not as big as people think because they're going to have to start paying rookies. Guys like Connor Brown and Zach Hyman will come out of their entry-level deal this summer and will get, you know, not great money, but decent money. And two years from now, Matthews and Marner will get big deals. Now, you just said it. After the entry level, Kane and Taves got $6 million. If you look at the first-round picks from 07, I did this for an article recently, from 07 to 2015, um, on their, or 2014, from their, on their second deals, the highest was Stamkos at $7.5 million. Every other one, Tavares, uh, Ekblad, go down the line, the second deal was anywhere between 5.5 and I think 6.3. So yeah. we're not talking about, and this is where these people are saying the window is small, we're not talking about Austin Matthews getting $11 million out of entry level. I don't think there's any way that he's going to get you know, eight figures coming out of entry level. They're going to, they're going to try to sign him for eight years. But, I mean, do you think Lamarello well, is going to go down that road? I, I don't think so. No, I don't. You know, he he will not, or he won't be there because that's all he's doing is controlling the money. The personnel decisions are being made by uh, Babcock, the top twenty-five anyway, and Hunter's doing the scouting. He has to control it, but at the same time, uh, if you want to pay Austin Matthews eleven million a year, and people that say he'll be worth it, he's that good then you better be prepared to ask him to take at least a 12-year contract. And I don't know what the limitation is, but um, yeah, it's the not going to be... Uh, yeah, the limitation's eight, so... Um, oh, eight. Okay, fine. I've, I've, I've uh, slipped in my memory. So eight years is, is all they got. They've got to... Uh, uh, you can't go to 11 at eight. You just can't do it. And uh, that's something that... You, you would hope that uh, Matthew's agent understands a lot better than I. And uh, now that you've reminded me, I should have known that. But, I mean, but to the, to the people who say the window is small, I mean, I'm sure there will be some negotiating back and forth. I mean, we know that, you know, Ekblad got, I think it was $7.5 from the Panthers coming off, you know, rookie of the year and a, and a playoff berth. And, you know, he's one of the best young defensemen in the game. And, the Leafs are not going to risk, you know, having some sort of bad relationship with Marner or Matthews, but that doesn't mean they're going to genuflect and say, okay, we're going to give you whatever you want. They're going to say, okay, we'll give you a five- or six-year deal. We'll give you $6 million. We'll give you what Nathan McKinnon got. We'll give you what Stamkos got, but we're not going to give you the top salary in the league as a, as a 21-year-old. We're just not going to do no. that. And I think that, that helps that helps them in the near future be able to add the players that they need to make this team sure. a more complete team. Yeah. Well, they've, you know, they, they, they don't have to pay the 5 million unless they're going to buy a year or two of his free agency. Right. Because they can just let them go, you know, let them, here's, here's your qualifier, take it. Okay. Now it's your turn for arbitration. We're going. And then you got to sign them. 
So if you're going to sign them for long term, if you have to look at the essence of what the contract gives you. And there's no reason to give them exorbitantly inflated terms if, in fact, you're not going to sign a year or two of his free agency years. And so I, I think they worry about the taste that it's going to leave in your mouth if you force them to go to arbitration. Well, I don't think you can do that anymore. Uh, and, and if you're going to sign a guy to a, uh, uh, what, what you would call a lifetime contract, an eight-year deal, then you can't load it up as much as, uh, as $11 million. I mean, I thought the Ekblad deal at close to eight, seven and a half to eight for eight years was almost preposterous. Yeah, and you can see the, the, the effect it's had on the Panthers this year because it wasn't only Ekblad, yeah, yeah. it was... Barakoff and everybody else, they signed a long-term deal. Uh, yeah, one, yeah. One, and nobody knows right now. There's only only maybe the draft next you know, know how the uh, the 2017 draft is going to be. There are some people who think this is going to be a much worse draft than um, the last two or three years, and that uh, you know first-round picks will be on the move in uh, at the deadline for for rentals because the the value is just not there as it was in, in years past. What Specific to the Leafs, though, I mean, we look at the organization, we know that they're really deep at forward. Um, we know that they're not, you know, not they're, they're still a little bit away from really being a contending team. Is, is this the time where the team goes into a draft and says, okay, we're going to draft for organizational need, meaning defense, or do you think that there's that Mark Hunter is still in the in the mindset of just take the best player available and things will work out? Well, you know, I, I, I know when I was involved it was always take the best player available. You either have to make adjustments to accommodate him or you have to adjust his where he is. You you have to trade him because you know he was the best player available in the draft. Uh, he would be much better off because another team thinks he's a lot better than we have seen uh, since we've gotten him. So uh, I think you have to take the best player. And, and based on Hunters, I mean, I watch that Marner kid and I say, you know, that, that was a ballsy move by uh, Mark Hunter. But he saw that kid for two full years. He knew what was there what inherent skill he had. And he has a great grasp on the OHL, and he's hired people that he feels has uh, uh, an equal uh, intelligence on uh, the rest of the draftees. So I'm, I, I, I just think that uh, let Hunter take the best player available and, and make the best of it. And if you say, well, the best player available at 15 is not somebody that we think we can build uh, in, into our future. Well, then trade it. Take take a first round pick and a second, and give them the fourteenth, and put it into next to the following year. That's that's been done before. Yeah, they they do have the extra assets now and some depth in the organization to be able to make those kinds of moves. Um, and is is Kapanen going to be a guy that they can bring in and, and let him play? You watch him a lot more than I do, Mike. Yeah, I, I don't think, I think... bother. I think Kapanen's an NHL, or I mean, unfortunately, he he, it's either a broken ankle or a broken leg that happened about three weeks ago, and he's probably going to be out for probably another month at least. 
Um, but he, yeah, I, I mean, he he was their leading he was their leading goal scorer with the Marlies. I, I thought he had probably earned a look maybe late in the season if they fell out of the playoff race. And yeah. and and Brandon Leipzig as well. I mean, uh, he's he's small, and they have a lot of small forwards. But you know, there is room in this league for small players with speed, and and he has that sort of uh, antagonistic you know, under get underneath the skin of the opposition type of thing in his game. So I think he has some potential, and there are a couple defensemen as well. But I, I you know, this isn't a particularly strong draft year, but there are some players that you know I think could help and not not to say right away and we won't find out until June but I I just think that you know, they you know they need to get more defensemen they have so many forward prospects in the organization that you know yeah, may, maybe yeah. they make the trade up but I th- I think they have to target a defenseman somebody they really like and if they have to move up to get them they move up to get them yeah um I don't disagree because I, I think that if they're if they've got visions of playing in the playoffs, they have to do something at the trade deadline to give them some insurance at the seven and eight position, where they can put a guy on the ice if an if an injury or if one of the young kids slides that can play the game and play it well enough to keep them even. And it's becoming more and more apparent that Marinson can't. And uh, the other guy from Vancouver, oh Frank Corrado, he was yeah. gone. Yeah, Frankie Corrado, God bless the kid, uh, was gone before he started. Yeah, I, th- I think Corrado has played his last game in Toronto. He may still stay on the roster, um, but I, I don't think if if another injury happens while Riley is out, I'm convinced they would call down to the Marlies and call somebody up rather than play Corrado again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two things off the leaf page just to finish up the show. One, uh, during the All-Star break, Gary Bettman was very standoffish when it came to the whole subject about the 2018 Olympics in South Korea. He said, did everything he could do to pour cold water on the possibility of the NHL going to the Olympics, but the players, specifically Connor McDavid, but other ones came out and said, you know, this would be a travesty to not go. In the end, do you think they're going, or do you think they're staying? They're going. They're going, and uh, they're waiting to get some money from the uh, International Olympic Committee directly. And uh, I don't know how they're going to swing it, but that's what they're waiting for. They're waiting for business interruption insurance. In other words, they're going to say, look, here's what we grossed last year. Uh, ticket sales and unit sales per game. Uh, we're going to miss four games. We're getting them back, but there is a fall off, and they, they've got enough empirical evidence to show that. We're prepared to open our books and show you as long as you're prepared to guarantee us the same return as we got last year with a built-in cushion, reasonable. And that's that's all they can expect if they've got all of their expenses paid for. The one thing they haven't got paid for is the injuries that are now occurring. And that's see the, the the risk in all of this is the owner. The owner risks losing his best player and missing the playoffs. The player risks missing the playoffs, but not missing a nickel. And that's not the way partnerships are built. So you can't expect the players to take a cut in salary if they're hurt. 
or take a cut in the salary to play in the Olympics or take it, you know, it, you just can't expect that. There's only one way, and that's the gross dollars that have already been in. The PA has them already. You can't fudge them. And I think it would be a very simple accounting procedure to show what they've done over the past two years or three years without the Olympics, showing the increase, and then say, here's what we want, and if we get it, we're not taking anything. But if we don't, we want it, We want to be uh, flushed. And uh, that's that's probably what Bettman is hammering at. Somebody's going to have to underwrite it. Yeah, and, I mean, Charles Wong would have been screaming bloody murder if he was in a playoff race uh, three years ago when John Tavares got hurt in Sochi. I mean, that would have Absolutely. That, that would, and he was out for six weeks. That would have destroyed you know, They weren't in a playoff race. They had no, really no chance to make the playoffs. But if they were and their best player got hurt in the Olympics, he would have yep. screamed bloody murder and had, would have had every right to. And the only, yeah. the only recompense that the team gets is if they have insurance on the player. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's it. Yeah, they, get, so, yeah they, don't, they don't have to pay the salary. Right. It's covered by the captive, by the insurance that they put together for all teams in the NHL, their top five players. So that's and that, that's generally the Olympic team makeup. So yeah, they don't they don't lose anything uh, other than uh, the owner loses the opportunity to participate in the playoffs, and he loses people from business or disruption. You know, you take off two weeks. And then all of a sudden you got a game on the Wednesday when they get back from the Olympics, and our usual crowd of 15 has diminished to 10. So that's the type of, and they aren't $10 a ticket. So it's 100, 200, 300,000 and up per game loss. That's what that's what they're talking about. And finally, uh, on Friday they did the top 100. Uh, players in NHL history at the uh, all-star break in Los Angeles. And it was a nice ceremony. And I think they got most of them correct. But as somebody who's, you know, firmly entrenched in the history of the game, um, you know, there were a couple ones that were glaring omissions and just on the Maple Leaf page. Um, and I, 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 cause I wrote about this. I, I can't believe that somebody like Denny Savard or Adam Oates made it onto the top 100 over Doug Gilmore. Uh, there were a number of... I, I agree, 100. Yeah. There were, there were a number of goaltenders who I thought Eddie, Eddie Balfour should have been, or a number of players that Eddie Balfour should have been over them to be in the top 100. And Lanny McDonald is the one that's the most baffling. 500 goals, a Stanley Cup winner, a well-respected player. You know, I, I don't get it. I mean, you know, to me, he was one of the best wingers of the of the 70s and early 80s absolutely those are three very apparent and they write that off as fan voting you see the nhl this is simply a promotion that the nhl does they 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 can't stand up to its objectivity so you got denny savard had to be there for the old chicago fans i don't i i don't know I, i i couldn't understand it Denny Savard just it was an entertaining player. Stop. But uh, Doug Gilmore was a key player. He was a winner. And I, Lanny McDonald, I felt badly for Rob Blake. What's wrong with Rob Blake? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, he wasn't well, a player. Bill, because I mean, I'm, you were you were an agent at the time, and then you were doing the Leaf broadcasts. If you were, and I'm sure you recall, recall in the West, the number one center obviously was Gretzky. You know, Messier was playing the wing at that time, or playing a little bit of center, but he was behind him. The, the, in the conversation of best centers in the Western Conference, it was always Gretzky, then Howardchuk, and then Savard, third. So Howardchuk didn't make it. How the hell can they make a case for Denny Savard? Yeah, no, I agree. I, the, the Howard Chuck was another glaring oversight. And, I, you know, you can't win with those hundred things. But, I, I, as you know, I was a voter on the Maple Leaf Top 100. And there were names on that list that I won't mention, but you know who, that should never have been on it. And nobody can explain it, even to the extent that one of the people that was on our voting group, in our voting group, phone 20 of the 30 people to ask if, in fact, we had player X on our list. The answer in all 20 cases was negative. Mm. Uh, you just, it, 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 it ruins the credibility of the process. And I just leave it at that. And oversights by accident or by lack of hockey acumen should never happen. And in the case of Blake, of uh, Gilmore, and uh, McDonald for sure, and Belfour is considered one of the best goalies. So I, I, uh, you know, you've got a legitimate complaint, Mike, but it's not going to do us much good. No. We can't uh, check the results. We can't hack the, the line. <laughs> well, Bill, as, as always, I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll definitely give you – give you a call after the deadline it should be very interesting uh, i'm not sure how busy it's going to be i mean i don't see yeah. guys like uh, i don't i don't get a feel that it is mike but yeah stranger I, things have happened I'll, yeah. I'll look forward to it yeah things will things could shake loose but as always thank you for coming on and we will uh we'll talk to you again next month for bill waters i'm michael agello thanks for listening and we and we'll be back. Oh, God, I'll, I'll just re-edit that. Uh, for Bill Waters, I'm Michael Jell. Thanks for listening. And remember, ah, God, I'll just end it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.